Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, editor Madhuri Krishnan, and airlines reporter Ned Russell reports back from the floor of the IATA Annual General Meeting, which was held in person in Boston last week for the first time since Seoul in 2019. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you? I'm good, Madhu. How are you doing? Good, good. And to all of you, thanks for joining us and um, for another issue of the Airline Weekly Lounge. So, Ned, you were at the IATA Annual General Meeting, or AGM as we call it in the industry, um, earlier this week in Boston, the, the first AGM in person since Seoul 2019. Um, and I, you know, we and I, it was a hybrid event, so I was listening into what I could. Um, but there seemed to be a couple of themes that emerged from this, and I, I wanted to get to the first one, which is the return of business travel. And I think you had some, I you you had an eye popping comment from Tim Clark, the president of Emirates Airline. That's right. Tim Clark is probably the most optimistic airline CEO that I've uh, spoken to. While I was there, he thinks business travel will come back in full by the end of 2022. Which so wait, uh, what does he know that no one else knows? That's what we'd like to know. No, I mean when when he asked, and I was able to to ask in the in a group. You know, he just cited people enjoy meeting in person. You know, looked he quoted you know pointed to the AGM itself and looked like how nice is it that we're all here and everyone's very excited. There's a lot of good energy, and I don't disagree with that. There is a lot. There was a lot of good energy. People were excited to be meeting in person, but you know for. It still raises a big question. He's got an airline, Emirates, that relies on international travel entirely. I will ninety nine point five percent. I don't. Maybe they have a couple domestic domestic flights in the Emirates, and everyone else I spoke to thinks that that segment's going to take a few years to come back, especially the business travel side of that. So you know, while he was sitting there saying it'll be back in full next year, I mean, most other big airline CEOs were were also pretty confident. I'm not saying they weren't. They just weren't willing to put it on next year. They expected to come back in the next few years. And that includes Lufthansa, United, uh, big airlines like that. Well, you know, uh, let's start with one really basic point here. And for Tim Clark to say, look how, point at the AGM, a, um, a, a conference comprised almost entirely of airline executives is a little bit odd because all of those people can non-rev. So their the costs... To their to their enterprises of flying are, are low. I mean, it's a, it, that you know. So one thing he's overlooking is that, and this the Southwest CEO Gary Kelly has said this numerous times, and that is that the bean counters or the accountants in most co- companies have gotten used to the um, the lower travel expenditures. You know, smaller travel budgets, and it's becoming harder. And we've heard this anecdotally from friends of ours, and all of you have, I'm sure, our listeners. Um, are experiencing this, that uh, it's harder to justify a, a ticket from your boss um, to travel because the travel budgets are smaller. Now, so it's a little weird for Tim Clark to say, well, look at everyone here when they're all non-revving. That's very true. I mean, and he has a vested interest. If yes. he, if the indus- if, if people think business travel is going to come back, there's the argument made that then they might be more likely to to get out in their business will come back, and that benefits his airline, and it's a you know virtuous circle. But to your point, you know, I think the most nuanced answer I got, uh, and perhaps the most realistic answer, was from Avianca's new CEO, Adrian Newhauser, who himself was CFO for two years beforehand. So right. he was was that bean counter that you mentioned. 
he is much more pessimistic. Uh, he said he expects a 40 to 50 percent drop in business travel coming out of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, Avianca is going through their chapter 11 and their restructuring the airline. And he is rebuilding the airline for all intents and purposes to uh, for an environment that has half as many business travelers half. as it did before. Huh. And so his argument, like what Gary Kelly said, is, you know, businesses have gotten used to these, you know, doing things on Zoom. The question is going to be is, you know, will some meetings still happen? Yes, that's why it says 50 percent still going to come back. But how many meetings do I have to do in person? He talked about speaking with a CAE guy there at the AGM. And he's like, yeah, it was great to meet him. But did I really have to see him in person? Like, I don't you know, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if I would make the trip just for him alone. Mm -hmm. Um well, that, that's, I mean, you know, we we heard at the Skiff Global Forum a couple of weeks ago, Adam Chesky, the CEO and founder of Airbnb, saying they did their multi-billion dollar IPO entirely on Zoom. Now, that's a bit extreme and were, their hands were forced because they were in, it was in the depths of the pandemic, but... And it was a Airbnb, which has a very well-known, recognizable brand. So yes. it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yes, that's absolutely true. All those things are true, and it was an exceptional case. But that that points to what you were saying, and that that is a lot of meetings may not be necessary, and maybe, I mean, fifty percent is uh, what Newhouser was saying about. Uh, did I get his name right? I think so. Okay. Well, what he was saying about business travel being half going forward, that's extreme. It, it seems like just anecdotally what I'm hearing, that Gary Kelly might be closer, around 20%. Right. Uh, and it's interesting that, that Newhauser was saying 50% because I hear from the airlines in Brazil that they expected to come back in full. So there's, I mean, there's a whole runs a gamut. It's all over the map. I mean, Scott they, Kirby as well saying that it's coming back you know, tomorrow or whatever right. he says. And Lufthansa raised their thing. Uh, Carson Sport now thinks it's only end up down uh, 10% instead of 20%. So right. it's, uh, I think the um, the buzzword that I would take away from it is uh, no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I was talking to the CEO of French B. Now, that is a very small leisure carrier. And they also, you know, he also has a uh, vested interest in saying this. But uh, he, I asked him whether he's worried that Air France is going to add all its so much more capacity back to the transatlantic market once the Biden administration lifts its restrictions on European visitors. He said, no. He said, you know, Air France has all these big aircraft with large business cabins that they, they need to fill in order to, to, to make money on the transatlantic. And they won't, and he says, they're not going to be able to fill those, those premium cabins for a long time. So his small airline that's entirely geared towards leisure, you know, he says, we're, we're, we're the right product and the right route network for this this moment so um you know it, it's all over the map but it seems like the consensus is not Newhauser and kirby but more a little more pessimistic <laughs> so you mean not uh not kirby and clark uh, a bit uh, more pessimistic? yes yes I, excuse me i said I corrected <laughs> not kirby and clark uh but more maybe kelly Newhauser and um and uh, spore yeah. I mean, we'll just see. That's the thing. I, I mean, I can say that it was very good to see people in person. And, you know, that was something. But like you said, it's the airline industry. So uh, are other industries doing the same thing, getting back together in person? Some are. Uh, some might not be. It's it's hard. You know, it's really hard to say. But it's, uh, yeah, the industry is, is watching this closely uh, as the recovery takes foot. Um, yeah. God, I don't want to shake anyone's hand anymore. I shook plenty. I'm still yeah. here. <laughs> that was. I always thought that was a kind of a gross habit to begin with, and now it's even grosser. So um, I will not be shaking people's hands. 
You heard it here first, people. Madhu <laughs> will not shake your hand. Don't think I'm rude if I meet you and I'm just, I just wave at you. I think it's a gross, gross practice. Um, anyway, another... <laughs> I was going to say, moving on from business travel, um, the other theme, you know, that we both heard from the AGM, me remotely and you in person is, uh, is sustainability. And that that is an issue that was important before the pandemic. I mean, but more sort of a the, the take then seemed to be worrying about flight shaming and, and where what the cost could be to the airline industry. And now it's all about um, it's, a, it's sort of the industry has co-opted the message and is is getting a little a lot more serious about uh, the environment than it was. But really, how serious, Madhu? I mean, you, uh, you've, uh, to quote you directly, uh, talked about greenwashing. Right. So it's, um, and, and I, you know, I agree to a point. You, IATA has this goal of net zero emissions from aviation by 2050. Right. That is 30 years from now. And then you look at the, the report out, uh, was it last month or August? It's, I mean, we've all, the, the damage from climate change on the earth is already happening right. um, and will happen. 30 years is not that fast no. in terms of, of climate, that's for sure. I mean, maybe it is for, for technological development that's needed to do this, but um, it's it's interesting. You know, it's But it's, you're right in the sense that it is now uh, a top concern for most all airline executives, and not just in sense of flight shaming, but in sense of making it uh, a part of their business. Yeah. Now, how much they actually are eliminating emissions is another question altogether. But I'm going to stick to just airline, you know, the airline side. Thinking about it, you know, I sat down with Roberto Alvo, the CEO of LATAM, and he talked to me a lot about. He talked to me about how, you know, the airline views it as a need to make a culture change within their staff to really focus on sustainability, environmental issues, and and I, you know, they've got the net zero commitment by 2050 and cutting domestic emissions in their domestic markets by 50 percent by 20. 30 so that that doesn't include international routes it's a interesting measure does but that mean yeah. flying half the capacity because that does cut your your emissions by 50 percent you wouldn't go that far you know talked about new planes uh develop you know they're getting involved in offsets and i i mentioned the controversies around offsets there's a the nature conservancy there's been some studies of the nature conservancy that has found some of the woods or forests that were are preserved might not have necessarily been in danger to begin with. So really, how much have you saved? That another, it's another question. But he talked about LATAM is looking at getting you know directly involved in projects to you know, plant trees and other ways to to offset their emissions. It's interesting. I mean, I still don't know if it's going to. I don't know it's it, if it's going to create achieve the kind of goals that they've set but the fact that he wants to make a culture change within the airline is uh different from what we were hearing just a year or two years ago when it right. was just about preserving the bottom line and you know another way to think about this and the timeline of change is that a 787 or triple seven that's or an a350 or pick an aircraft that's delivered today has an expected service life that will go up to 2046 right so that's only four years away from this this net zero thing uh, so a large, a huge part of the in-service fleet now will still likely be flying, bumping up against this 2050 um, deadline. So, um, you know, th those who are out there, you know, um, thinking that uh, new technologies and new forms of propulsion are the white knight that are that will save the um, environment and cut airline emissions are, are 
are not entirely realistic given the life cycle of these assets and the the speed of technological change. I mean, we we've talked a bunch on po- previous podcasts, Ned, about uh, Eve, 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 electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. Eve, I'm never sure how to say that. Eve Tolls, EVTOLSs, whatever. However you say it, I never know. But we've talked a bunch about that and how you know, despite even there's probably more. Um, it's more realistic now that Airbus has lent its heft to to electric propulsion in a in a major way with its um, Air, Airbus helicopters, new air taxi type thing. But we're still talking about untested technology that is not approved by any regulator anywhere in the world. Um, and not to mention, it's it, no one no one thinks that the technology is anywhere close to being ready to power a large aircraft. Exactly. You know, I, Tim Clark was you know spoke to reporter yesterday or at the AGM, and and he said you know the number of batteries to get the intensity of energy is just it's huge and he yeah. he does not see it with current technology like he he just simply says I don't see how we're going to have batteries powering a triple seven anytime soon and he talked about the weight of the batteries on the plane the ground facilities that are needed so there's a lot of questions a lot of things that still need to be worked out to hit these these sustainability targets and it just it doesn't feel like well the industry is talking about it which is a definitely a good step there seem to be more more um promises than you know fixed uh, set solutions and even if there are the battery technology was feasible or were fe- what what's pow- what's charging that battery is it a coal plant i mean exactly or a natural gas plant i mean there we don't know, right? And um, right. but but to your point, I mean, IATA is pinning a lot of its hopes on sustainable aviation fuel or SAFs, which which IATA believes will be sort of a drop in solution that you know can be used. They're looking for fuels, particularly can be, that can be used by current propulsion um, units or engines, I should say. Why well, call them propulsion units when you can call them engines by current generation engines? Um, that you know can be transported safely in aircraft and distributed at airports and throughout the fuel um, network. So, the uh, they uh, IATA predicts about sixty five percent of its uh, of its zero emissions targets will be reached through SAF. Um, the other, you know, thirty five percent or so will be um, will be a combination of increased efficiency, airport infrastructure, etc. So. Um, and maybe some new technologies. So they're pinning a lot of hope on sustainable aviation fuels now. Whether the the question now is is building up the refining and uh, infrastructure to go from I believe I mean let me just look up the stat really quickly, but it's something like you know that there might that you know the 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 number the amount of SAF that they the that IATA will need for the world's airlines and where they expect to be in terms of passenger traffic in 2015 is like is or 2050 is just a shocking difference and where so they have to come up with this right like there's about they needed I need to look up that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad. but no, I mean you you raise a very good there's there's the SAF capacity now is minuscule to to the need and you know it still costs far more than you know. Uh, hydrocarbon based jet fuel and you know it, it's got a long way to go and you know no one you know all of the saf offtake agreements that i've seen signed to date you know it's they're they're one two maybe you know 
8% of an airline's fuel consumption. Yeah. And that's over a 10-year period, not in a year or two. So it's, it's so yeah. I actually did find it. So right now, our um, current supply of, of sustainable aviation fuel is about 100 million liters, right? IATA predicts it needs about 450 billion liters in by 2050. That's a 10,000% increase in supply. Um, so that, that, you know, to your point earlier that we're talking 30 years, that's, that's, that's a, not that long to build 10,000% more capacity. And, and, and the question, you know, I ought to raise this as well. What, what, what will be the feedstocks? Are these feedstocks going to be taken away from food production? Um, you know, will these feedstocks be produced in a sustainable way? I mean, these are all questions that, that the industry is grappling with and no one really has a, a definitive answer right now. No, absolutely not. There's, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, that's, those are very good questions that everyone is dealing with, Madhu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a brief break here, Ned. And we're back. So, Ned, um, so we, you spent a lot of time at the IATA AGM. We talked about uh, environment and, um, the, and sustainability and some of the other themes that came out of it, including when business travel return, will return. And um, now let's turn to to another hot topic that came out of the AJM, and that's uh, aircraft orders. That's right. You know, it, it wasn't a year that we saw hundreds of orders come out of the event, but there was a fair amount of order activity and all with an eye on, of course, new generation fuel efficient aircraft. Uh, the um, the biggest uh, headline number was Qantas launched their uh, 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 you know, request for proposal, I guess, or their study of a new narrow body, new narrow bodies, hundred plus for the domestic operations while at the AGM. So you know they're looking at the whole the whole gamut: A320neo, A220, 737 Max, and the E2. But then well, that wasn't it. We saw Lufthansa pick up four more A350s as part of uh, their you know, refleeting and, you know, a lot of airlines are, are looking at moving their fleet forward. So it's, uh, it's, it's high on the list. Oh, and to your favorite end, uh, developments are emerging about a new, uh, 777X freighter. Right. That, uh, yes. Which would be unusual um, because it would launch, it could launch before the passenger version. And as we all know, usually the, the freight version comes well, at the end of an aircraft's life cycle. So, you know, seven, the 747 freighter is, uh, is sort of the tail end of the, the last gasp of the 747 program. That's right. But you have, uh, you know, Boeing has Airbus hot on its heels with a, you know, they haven't launched it yet, but everyone's talking about an A350 freighter right. that would compete directly with the 777X. So, they announced you know, Boeing, it over the summer, right. 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 So Boeing doesn't want to, you know, Boeing dominates the freighter market and they don't want to see that share. So I'm kind of not surprised if they, they would launch it. And according to Bloomberg, it's Cutter Airways that would launch the 777X freighter. Right. So. With possibly 50, 50 freighters. Which 50, Madhu. That's huge. That's huge. That is huge. I mean, I think Cutter has about 17 in its freighter fleet right now. So that that's that's quite a lot. So even if they replaced their entire freighter fleet, it would still more than double the capacity. Yeah, over absolutely. Over whatever and, time frame. So, so the I mean, there's plenty of and there's there's plenty of um, aircraft sloshing around in terms of passenger freighter conversions. Um, we just saw Global Crossing, a small airline uh, in North America, order for passenger freighter. So, I mean, 
it, it's it's an interesting time in the aircraft market. I mean, to go back to something I said uh, that Marc Rocher, the president of French B, told me. Um, I asked him if they if if French B is is adding more aircraft. And he said not any plans, but we should because it's cheap. They're cheap. There are a lot of used aircraft on the market. Um, even new generation ones like Airbus A350s that uh, that uh, are available. So interesting times. No, absolutely, and that's what I heard from multiple airline executives at the event at the AGM as well. Lease rates are very cheap. Aircraft, you know, to to get aircraft, aircraft are relatively cheap, and it's a good time to buy if you're in a position to buy. That's uh, that's for sure. And most airlines seem to be able to. It's uh, you know, even bankrupt uh, Latam and Avianca and Aeromexico have ordered new aircraft or leased new aircraft through the process. So now, are those uh, are those? How I wonder how many of those aircraft will be replacement versus growth. At the Latin American carriers, it seems like a lot of them will be replacement, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's going to be some growth thrown in there. You know, uh, ITA, the new Italian carrier, is uh, they announced that just before the AGM, they announced a MOU for for their own fleet replacement. But they said that it's it's seventy percent of their fleet is going to be new generation aircraft, so the Neos and the um, well, the Neos basically. So <laughs> so it's yeah, uh, but we'll see. I wonder what will happen to all these A380s that are being parked. No, well, British Airways is bringing their 12 back. That's so. right. And Cutter is as well, right? That's right. Uh, Korean Air as well, though Korean Air's uh, president and CEO, Walter, or chairman and CEO, Walter Cho, was saying he sees the demand for the aircraft diminishing quickly as fewer airlines fly it. But uh, it's uh, it's still interesting to watch, to see yeah. some of these planes that we thought would never come back start to come back to the sky. And not be turned into to parked hotels. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ned, thanks, thanks again for joining us um, on the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.